Darling, it's the Shy Life Podcast. You won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Hello, boo. Delicious. This particular episode of the Shy Life is, is a little more abstract. <laughs> okay, it looks like the hairy guy is ready to record. Three, two, one. Go Shy Yeti. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. So what is this episode of the show going to be about? Well, actually, I've got a week off because, um, oh, oh, Nick's taking over the show. He's uh, chatting to uh, a mutual friend of ours, John. Not yet, Uncle John. But, uh, yeah, so I think they're just going to be having a chitter-chat about... Uh, I suppose I should say that, that John is a... Uh, uh, he, he's a, a sort of fan of old TV, so I, I, I guess they'll be talking about that, but I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, I've not yet listened to what uh, Nick has sent me, so so let's run that theme music. When we come back, Nick and John will be, well, they'll be having a natter. All right, run that theme music, and I'll speak to you again at the end. It's time for my old buddy, old pal, from across the channel, across the pond. Bob Chandler, the shy Yeti. He's not that shy. Oh, it's yeah. All I wanted was a pie. And then I hatched out of an egg. Okay, bring the mic over. He's ready to record. It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know. Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? <laughs> He's not all that shy is right. <laughs> Blimey, Governor. It's the Shy Life Podcast. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to begin. It's the Shy Life Podcast. He's positively glowing. <laughs> well, I would like to introduce you to the Shy Life Podcast, run by our mutual friend, Paul Chandler. Um, and he, he's... Uh, I've worked on many of these and uh i have with me mr john pertwee a very good evening to you but the other one we've known each other uh, 32 years i think 30 31 or 32 years i can't remember which it's uh, hovering around 90 how do you remember that i don't know how I, how do i not remember that <laughs> i just i've just got one of those memories uh, how do you remember that <laughs> but i i've certainly known you no later than uh 90 because um i i've got some footage of you at exospace really yes and and, and with with uh all the all the gang and um yeah it's all, all good fun but uh yes i i'm here today we're going to talk about famous people that we've met 
Um, and well, as I say, you we are indeed. Yes, we are. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about the shop that you used to run? Because you must have, you ha- I think you met some famous people through that, didn't you? I did. Yes, I had a, I had a, a lifelong dream to uh, to run my own um, slice of Doctor Whodom, and uh, it was very much it was very much a, a visit to assorted other um, sci-fi shops and emporiums and stuff like that, which kind of sort of. Um, pushed me to to kind of open my own um it was it was okay i did it for about 10 years and i got to meet some lovely people and uh, as well got to meet there was a few times we had uh, famous people down to do signings and the such like uh, which was which was always very interesting uh, the shop itself was not desperately huge um so it was it was kind of bigger on the outside um, and uh, it was it was interesting because we had uh, one week we had uh, Sophie Aldred uh, coming into the shop and um, she was sat at this tiny little table signing autographs as a signing autograph and signing autograph. and then like the very next week we had um, um, Nicola Bryant uh, who arrived and and was you know signing autographs and signing autographs so it was it was very much a it was a, for a for a fan it was it was very much a, a kind of a dream come true. And um, we also met um, Fraser Hines came along and Jeremy Bullock came along. And um, yeah, the whole slew of people came along. It was it was really quite interesting because um, uh, you, you get to see when you meet these people at a convention, um, you're, you kind of sometimes you can be awestruck, as obviously I am when I meet you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, you can you can be like, oh, wow, yeah, I thought you were great. And, you know, and all that. Um, and it's it's a very short time uh, because they're obviously just meeting the next person that likes them. Um, but it's when you're with that person for the day, the person that you've watched on the telly box for the day, it's it's very different because, um, you know, <laughs> you, you find out if, you know, they don't like uh, cheese on toast or if, you know, if they've watched that day's Coronation Street or something like that. So, and it's something that you would never you would never know normally because. If you went up to someone at a convention as a signing place and said, "Oh, did you see Coronation Street?" They just they just kind of look very <laughs> just. But if you're with them for the day, uh, you get to ask them all the strangest questions and things like that. Mm. Um, Fraser Hines and Jeremy Bullock. Jeremy Bullock played. Um, I think it was was it Hal the Archer. He in did indeed. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. A, and a, one of the youth rebels in um, the Space Museum as well with Bill Hartnell. That's it. Um, he was he was absolute top bloke, and um, he had some great stories about Star Wars and about his, his you know, his Doctor Who appearances. Because obviously at that time he was kind of well known for for being in Star Wars. Um, so he said uh, about his time in Star Wars, he says, oh, he says, well, he says I didn't actually um, always wear the Boba Fett suit, and I didn't do any of the voices for Boba Fett. And uh, oh, there was a couple of scenes where it was a stunt man uh, playing Boba Fett, and not me. And he says, oh, he says in the bit. Uh, where is where it's in the the inside of the bit? That's not me either. So he says, I don't really know why why I'm here today. But it was it was <laughs> he was just really interesting and uh, just really nice and um, just it was a it was a different type of actor to uh, a lot of the um, people that are on television now. I'm going to be really careful what I say. A lot of the people that are famous now are famous through um some form of reality tv and and that's that's a different type of entertainment absolutely i managed to get out of that 
Um, they, uh, the, the reality TV obviously is a different type to the, uh, the drama or the comedy shows or anything like that of the 1960s or the 70s. Mm. I, th- I think going back to Sophie, um, I was actually at her first convention uh, in uh, that's well, it was called White Heart, but it was meant it was um, our local group set it up. It was uh, in Salisbury. Uh, it ended up being at the Rose and Crown because the White Heart had um, double booked or something. And um, Sophie was at that one along with Richard Franklin and uh, Mark Strickson and Julie Brennan, who he was still married to then. And um, yeah, she was instantly lovely, uh, instantly natural. Hmm. Uh, obviously, she she was uh, brand new to it. She'd only recorded Dragonfire at that point, so uh, she was still brand new hmm. to it. And uh, yeah, and I actually we had a mutual friend, um, Graham Bleefman, the artist who does a lot of fan hmm. oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, stuff. Oh, uh, he's yeah. a very old mate, and uh, he used to live next. Uh, well, at the time, he still did live um, just around the corner from me. And um, I think we kind of. He didn't realize he passed me on the town path and uh, uh, on the way to work each day, and he hadn't realized I was a Doctor Who fan uh, or you know sort of quite liked Jerry Anderson stuff. And um, I, I would, would re- regularly go around there, and you know he'd um, and I, when I, later on when I went to Br- Bristol with him, uh, when he when he went to Bristol, I used to go and visit him. He used to pop into toy shops and check whether. Uh, his artwork was on the lunch boxes and things like that when um, uh, Thunderbirds oh, wow. came back. So, cool. so we were sort of, mm, have I been paid? Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, Fraser Hines, I've seen in action at a convention, but I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually met him. Um, but he, he's, he's a yeah, larger he's than a life bloke. character, isn't he? Yeah. He came along <laughs> the shops a, a few times because when I moved shop, he came along. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's very interesting, and he got obviously because he'd been in um, quite a selection of Doctor Who. Uh, he'd got he'd got some really interesting stories. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can uh, say. Um, <laughs> I seem to remember a long, long time ago uh, you telling me that you'd met Ingrid Pitt. Now. Um, I I did. Too, I too have met Ingrid Pitt. So I was wondering if we might be able to swap Ingrid Pitt stories. <laughs> well, you go first. You you carry on. Mine was towards right towards the end of her life because um, it was at a convention in uh, some Chiswick. Um, it was a London is a London based one, and uh, it was in a pub. And they were doing a Peter Davison day, and lots of people. They had a Warriors of the Deep panel, and. Oh, oh, it's Ingrid, you know, go. And uh, she came on. She had just come out of a hospital with um, double pneumonia and a stroke. Ouch. And And against all medical advice, she had come along to this convention and she was going, literally going... <laughs> Mm. she uh, you know she couldn't breathe basically and and her husband was there and looked absolutely terrified but she absolutely insisted on meeting everybody and you were just knocked out by this woman who is who was clearly on the way out um it's horrible to say and she she gave her all um mm. and she was gone about six months after that so um, as, I, as I say, at that point, in that point in time, I, I, I dead knocked out by how dedicated she was. Um, mm. But obviously, I didn't know her beforehand. <laughs> as about well, yourself, I, got, I was lucky enough to get an interview with her, and uh, and I'd gone along with a friend of mine at the time uh, to their house, to their flat, uh, that, and I think her husband was called Tony, if I can recollect. Yeah, and um, I spoke to her 
PA or her daughter or her daughter was a PA or something like that. And I messaged and I said, oh, I said, we're going to be coming uh, to see Ingrid to interview her for the radio. And uh, she sent this thing back saying, oh, is that Ingrid's damaged this part, this top part of her teeth at a barbecue. Um, so, you know, she doesn't really want to. She doesn't really want to be talking and, she, you know, and all this sort of thing. So I thought, oh, you know, because I've always held her in great esteem because she's in one of my all time favourite war films as well, which is Where Eagles Dare. My, my good lady likes that. Yeah, it's a great one. It's a great one. It's got the yeah. it's got the not only has it got the uh, Richard Burton um, broadsword calling Danny boy, but it's got uh, Richard Burton giving a great instruction to Ingrid Pitt, who p- plays the barmaid. Um, and he, he kind of gets her on his knee and he's, he's whispering information into her shell like. And then he just turns to her and says, dead seriously, he says, hit me across the face as hard as you can. And then she she just goes whack and uh, <laughs> just, just just runs off. <laughs> anyway, and apparently she enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> she enjoyed doing like that, him. apparently. <laughs> but he um, anyway, we'd gone, we'd gone to a house, uh, like a flat, and uh, she baked all this stuff, Nick. All these biscuits and cookies, and she'd made this special tea, and and it was all on this tray. All these cakes and buns and stuff. And uh, I was I was talking to her about, um, you know, about uh, how she'd met Elvis Presley, and what it was like, um, you know, because she was a, a prisoner of war and all that sort of thing. And um, she kind it's kind of sort of kept sidetracking the conversation to talk to my friend. <laughs> I kept trying to bring her back. <laughs> say well you know it's, i want to want to ask you about these and she and she was just she she just really wanted to talk to my friend and there was one bit where she she just kind of sort of um she made this this big exaggerated gestures you know about talking to my friend and i said yeah i, I need to ask you about about this ingrid and she says oh yeah 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 in, in a minute so we were there for about three and a half hours and uh i got about eight minutes of uh, audio that i could have used um and then um after she'd sadly passed uh, tara and i went to her husband's house i think he'd moved again had moved mm-hmm. and uh, he was with um he was doing some, they were going to do some horror fest and um it was all going to be a tribute towards i think it was the ingrid pitt foundation or something like that um and tara got to sit in the in the countess dracula chair that ingrid had got <laughs> um so yeah it was it was it was a really it was a really interesting day really interesting but she was she was definitely one of the most unusual people that i've ever met i could see how she yeah she she um she she was a bit erratic i mean she uh i mean she was she was lovely and a very professional and devoted um but she she was very careful about which questions she asked she she answered rather yeah um i think she was saying about you know the 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 karate chop with the um the murka and she said oh no i didn't do that darling (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, we got we got a nice picture with her as well. But yeah. no, she, and her poor husband looked terrified because yeah. um, it, it, you know the, she was she was clearly extremely ill and straight from hospital. What I I thought was rather nice was the, one of the guys playing the Silurians was there, and he actually sent somebody over to get her autograph. So oh, actually, well. she, she, one of the Silurians wanted her autograph. Oh, that's so cool! It's really sweet. <laughs> in Warriors of the Deep, I think the, the the one of the things I remember is I remember the Doctor's backflip into the water, mm. and I also remember one of the I think it was one of the Sea Devils had his head on a permanent slant. Mm, yes, um, all the way all the way through, and I I, 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 I that was always my favourite Sea Devil that one because I thought he was obviously he he'd raised up from the depths 
uh, too quick yeah. giving himself like the neck bends. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very contemplative sea devil word. But one, it, was, yeah. it was some... <laughs> <laughs> But it was uh, it's it was it's not a bad story at all. I I quite like it. I, and I, I the guy that played one of the guards that uh, got um, shot by a sea devil was there, and uh, he used to apparently he used to be at one time a milk tray man, you know. And um, she really <laughs> yeah yeah, and um, and she was flirting with him outrageously, and uh, it it was terribly funny. Um, oh, I'm going to marry you, darling. You know, just <laughs> yeah, she she did say that a lot, allegedly. Yeah, but it was um, it was it, it. She was certainly she certainly had a lot of character. I I found. Yeah, it was great. So, who else? Who else have you got? Who else have you got to talk about? Well, um, in, in, staying with who? Um, I, obviously, there's quite a few. But Mary Tam and his, her husband, I've met. Uh, she, um, well, of course, they both passed away now, unfortunately. Um, he, uh, that I was at a convention called Battlefield Three. Uh, I think the first one was mm. in Exeter, but the second, the, the all the subsequent ones it were was. in Coventry. Lovely, looked like a per, perfume shop, very ornate and gold. And and um, I went there for my thirty first birthday. Um, and who should welcome me in? Because he knew a couple of friends of mine, but Michael Sheard. Um, and he he got everyone to oh, sing wow. happy birthday to me in in a kind of Mr Bronson persona, um, and that was nice. That was a nice surprise. And I thought, you know. Well, I, it's my, it's my birthday, I'm, and I've never done this before. But I, I went for a celebrity meal. Oh wow! Now, one of the people I got was Anthony Ainley for for, for, for starters, um, and he and he was one of life's eccentrics because he he was very. How can I describe Anthony Ainley? He was he was like a gentlemanly, uh, gentlemanly, gentlemanly but bitchy. You know, he was very kind of. <laughs> I I think. Collins put on a bit of weight and, and sort of, and he came to, and he, and I asked him about, um, ever, he was a very strange man, but I asked him about whether he'd actually ever worked with Roger Delgado. Mm. And he said, no, but I heard him, he met, met, saw him in a pub once de- describing a tax return. <laughs> 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 what an extraordinary story. Unfortunately, that one of the guy, the 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 first, this main course was with one of the guys who was in the Auton, um, st- you know, kind of store, not the Auton stories on Doctor Who, but the the video, straight video things. I didn't know him from Adam, so it was kind of a bit embarrassing. And then for for afters, um, Mary Tam, who was lovely, she was absolutely so natural and chatty and lovely, and 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 it's very sad. And so was her husband, and it's very sad that you know passed away but uh, no michael Shear was an absolute joy uh at any convention and you know he treated you like an old friend and um did you ever meet him i did he uh again he he it seemed to have such a, a big effect on him that he put me into his book i'm in one of his i think don't know if i'm in the first or the second book but he's put me in there and um he i'd got this this star wars record because he played admiral ozzel and uh, they'd, they'd signed it and it was a Star Wars picture disc. And I kind of gingerly handed it over. And I said, oh, I says, could you sign this for me, please? And, he goes, oh, yeah. and uh, as he was handing it back, uh, the blooming record fell out of his sleeve and just clattered to the floor. And he was, he was mortified, just <laughs> absolutely mortified. <laughs> he was dusting it down. He said, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. 
and uh, but uh, but he was really really interesting, and he was really he was very very fan friendly. As well. <clears throat> um, I met uh, Anthony Ainley once, only once at a at a like a multimedia convention. I would have wanted him to say, "Oh, Doctor, you have been naive," <laughs> but he didn't say it. And I got in the lift, and Ant got in the lift, and we were we was the lift was going down. And I said, to, and I was desperate to ask him a question, just some question, before he disappeared into the like into the, the night. And I said, oh, I said, sir, what was it like being in uh, the land that time forgot? And he says, um, and he kind of gave me this look, and he says, um, oh, it's a marvelous film, marvelous. And he says, but uh, very cruel on all those dinosaurs that they killed. <laughs> and the lift door was open, and he got out and was gone. And I thought, oh no. And I thought. Oh, those dinosaurs! Oh, he was. Oh, he's, oh you were joking! Oh, he'd gone. <laughs> and Mary Tam, I met in um, Western Supermare, and uh, I, she was my all-time favourite character, female character in Doctor Who. Was Mary Tam, and uh, I didn't know what to say. Now, this might strike you by surprise, and I just, I just didn't know what to say. And she was there, and there's this picture of uh, Romana in the uh, like the feather boa. Uh, type thing which is which is a really really beautiful picture of her and um, she's looking straight at the camera and Mary Tam was there sat behind this desk and this woman uh, was stood in front of me and she said uh, and Mary Tam said oh she says so what would you like me to sign sweetheart and the woman said uh, well it doesn't matter just just any of them take the money and Mary Tam kind of being very Ooh. professional was just, you know, she says, oh, she says, I, I can sign this. So she says, she says, oh, she says, and she picked up this, this last picture. And she said to this, and this woman, well, just sign it. Here's your money. And she threw the money across the, yeah. the counter at Mary Tam. And, um, and uh, Mary Tam just, just signed the picture and, you know, and handed <laughs> it back. And the woman just snatched the picture, picture off her and just wandered off. And there was, there was me like stood behind this woman. I was mortified. And uh, I said, I said, I am so sorry. And she went, oh, darling. She says, don't, don't worry about it, darling. She says, she says, we meet all types of people here, you know. Oh, and I says, she says, which picture would you like? And I says, well, that one that's just gone over in that direction. And she said, um, she says, are you a bit of a fan, darling? And I says, uh, well, yeah, I, yeah, I am. And she says, uh, have you got anything you'd like to ask me? And I went, lots. And she said, um, well, if you put them all down in a letter and send them to my agent and she wrote it down where her agent was and she says uh, and what i'll do darling is she says i'll answer all your questions in a letter and i'll send you a copy of the photo because you missed that one today and i said really and she says she says yes so she says uh, here's my agent's address and she says just just send me a letter and she says i am sorry about that very rude woman and um i said Yes. Oh, uh, thank. Yeah. Oh, it's bye. And I left and I just I was just completely and utterly blown away. And then I'd lost the piece of paper like that day. I lost the piece of paper. <laughs> and then, you know, this was whenever it was. And then I never oh. wrote to her and said, oh, you know, I was the halfway that turned up and said you know oh i don't know what to say mm. to you and all that and then she died mm. and then i thought oh that's just that's just heart-wrenching but i mean i think she knew by the look on my face that i was a fan <laughs> and you know i think she she kind of if if the lady in front of me had been the last lady 
and there'd been no John stood behind her, I think she'd have been, you know, she'd have, you know, been a bit. But she was, she was absolutely fine. She was really, really nice. And I don't think it was, a, I don't think it was a put on. I think she was just really nice. Yeah, she, she was a darling when I met her. I must admit, and I'm glad yeah. I did that celebrity meal now. Even if I got some, some old chap from Orton, which I, I, <laughs> I'd never heard of. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, and it's. I think I have to say my biggest celebrity moment, I think, because Ali and I are members of the Royal Theatrical Fund. So um, until before the the Great Plague plague. came upon us, the Great Plague, um, we used to go to the parties in in London uh, as, as, as patrons. And we used to walk around all these famous people, uh, Maureen mm. Lippmann, uh, both likely lads, although at different uh, times. And um, who else was there? Um, there's been um, William Gaunt um, and uh, Derek Jacobi um, and Geoffrey uh, Palmer, who was absolute darling to my mum. We took my mum up a couple of years before she died and uh, she uh, met Geoffrey Palmer and he was so gentlemanly to her and kissed her hand. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, fantastic. And uh, who else? Was, oh, but Bernard Holly has been in Who a couple of times. Wow, yeah. He was an Axon, wasn't he? Yes. And it isn't a sort of fan event as such. So I never, I've never asked for an autograph there, but I have had a few photographs taken uh, with them. So uh, that's nice. I hope, that, hope we get back to that. Because I saw um, Rodney Muse at a distance and um, he was busy talking to it. I never got to speak to it. Of course, then he died. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, this is a different year because um, I think Ro- um, Rodney Buse had gone on by then. And, of course, they didn't get on, did they? Oh. The, the likely lads, unfortunately. Um, so uh, I think Ro- Ro- um, uh, uh, James Boland had been at a party around the corner and just sort of wandered in kind of late <laughs> in the day. And there's a lady with us who, we, who just goes to go. I mean, she's met so many famous people. It's just not true and um well i'm sure it is true but he's um, <laughs> uh, but um i said we went up to him and i said you know it's it's time we saw you on telly more often and you wouldn't yeah. expect a jolly james bowler it just wouldn't happen would it so he goes well don't tell don't tell me tell the bbc <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well I'd, I'd be photographed taken with him instead um and reed who's been in <laughs> Yeah, Doctor Who a couple of times. Uh, but there's one of the girls from Tenko as oh, well. Really? She was there. Which one? Nice. Um, jo- Joanna Hall, uh, who who played one of the girls in the first two series. I think she played a girl that killed herself. Uh, okay. Um, she was lovely. I just went up to her in a rare... Because I'm, I'm, I'm not very um, brave when it comes to approaching famous people. But it, this is just so relaxed. The atmosphere is just so relaxed. So, you, so I just went up to her and said, oh, hello, you're in Tenko. And we just had a nice natter with plenty of wine. So uh, what more could you ask for? But Yeah, that helped. <laughs> um, but I suppose the other big um, thing I've, I've kind of, the most positive, I suppose, and unbelievable um, meeting was with Henry Wolfe. Um, because he... He was coming. Oh, really? Yes, he came to an event in Chiswick five years ago, and Ali and I signed up for him. We went to the, the un- London Underground, came out of the London Underground station, and there was Mr. Wolf uh, j- just in the uh, to one side in the ticket office, uh-huh. looking at a very crumpled Google map, and um, 
I think I'm we, we, we can help him. I said, oh, hello, uh, hello um, we're, we're coming to see you. Um, and do, do you know how to get to this place? Yes, he's got the, he got the map. Do you, well, do you want to come with us? And, and we walked and, and we got him lost. Bless him. And he was just so, so nice. <laughs> he's one of the nicest, famous people I've ever met. Because he, he, he just, he wasn't the least bit perturbed or worried uh, that he, we, were, we were getting hopelessly lost in Chiswick. He just, yeah, it's quite an adventure, isn't it? You know, and, kind of, and he looked exactly as he did in the 70s as well. And um, we, at one point we hailed a taxi because we weren't getting anywhere. We got in, all three of us got into the taxi and were turfed out by the taxi bloke because it had been ordered for somebody else. And here we are being evicted out of a taxi with Henry Wolfe. <laughs> <laughs> and we got talking. We, of course, he was in the Sunmakers as a collector. <laughs> and um he we, we you know he was sick. henry wolf was also in um was in stepto wasn't he he was yes it's the, the um the main villain in it yes um and he caused it was just a, a pleasure to be with just so natural it's like going out going out for a walk with your dad you know it's uh, it's just so just totally yeah. natural yeah, that sounds really cool. um and he was just so nice and we we just have turned up um we we delivered him to the the place and then later on, probably join the queue. <laughs> kind of just, oh, hello again. <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> brilliant. A, a, a surreal hour getting lost in Chiswick with 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 Henry Wolf. <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had a couple of times like that. Um, we had uh, we had to go and interview um, Brian Blessed. Ah, and uh, Brian Blessed uh, was was giving this talk, and it was it was going to be Brian Blessed talking for an hour and then showing uh, the film that he's been in. Yeah. So what they said was, uh, we'd gone along and uh, on this particular time, I was, I was doing the freelance of the BBC. Yeah. And, um, and the, the, the people greeted us and they said, well, they says, um, they says oh, it's, uh, who are you? Because <laughs> we just turned up. <laughs> so I said, and I said who I was. And then they said, oh, BBC, if you'd like to come into here, we were taking <laughs> into this room with thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of electronical equipment and computers and stuff like that. And the lady said, oh, would you like a drink? And I said, no, nope, leave us alone. Nope, we're fine. Nope, we don't want water or anything in here. Thank you. Nope, no, we're all right. Where's Brian? <laughs> and uh, we, we were just terrified because because there was literally billions of pounds worth of electrical stuff. And we just both sat there. And I says, yes, it's exciting here, isn't it? And then Brian came in and he went, oh, you know, and it, it was completely and utterly as you would expect and then sat down. And then we asked him all these different questions. Um, but what happens with him is if you say, how did you get here today? You've got an hour's worth of story with him telling you exactly how he got there today. And he will bring in his conversations with everyone else on the planet in that hour's worth of story. That's just one question. Um, and he ended up saying about uh, Z cars, and I'd not even mentioned blooming Z cars. And he says, "Oh, he says, uh, he says, oh, he says, he says the, t the television." Then he says, he, was, "He says a lot of it was live." And he says, um, "He says, you know, th th this one episode of Z cars." He says, "And someone had gone missing." And he says, "And Pat Routledge, she was the mum." 
And he says, so, so he says, we've gone to see her. And he says that they'd gone missing and Pat Routwich was pacing the floor. And then he says, and cut to scenery of uh, police dogs and helicopters. And, and they were they were going over the moors and they were looking everywhere. And, and he says, the whole episode, he says, was very, very fraught and very, very quiet. And he says, and then he says, cut back to the studio shot of Pat and me. And he says, um, he says, it closed up on Pat. He says, and she looked at me and she says, she's dead, isn't she? And he says, and I went, yes. And the music went, da, 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 da. And he says, it's brilliant acting, brilliant, especially for me. And um, so anyway, he, he just, just the best, the best story he told, right, was he said, he says, oh, he says, um, he says, he says, obviously, he says, when he was on Flash Gordon. And he says, um, he says, we've got this great scenery. He says, this great big landscape, he says, with the spaceships and the, um, the 300 Hawkmen on wires and everything like that. He says, and we were coming down to crash onto Ming's ship. And he says, and I was the leader of the Hawkmen. So he says, I was up there and he says, I was brave lads. And he says, and we landed. And he says, and there was all Ming's men dodged around. And he says, and I landed. And he says, and I punched one of them out. And he says, I picked up this rifle. And he says, and I went, bow, 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 bow. And he says, there was a smoke and the sound effects. And he said, and he says, and I went up to the next latest one. And he says, to blow away the computer system. And he says, zap, zap, zap. And he says, the director went, a cut. And he says, and I looked and I said, I didn't, I didn't know what I'd done wrong. And he says, uh, Brian, uh, Brian, he says, we do all the sound effects. You don't, you don't need to, you, you don't need to do anything. You just, just, it's fine, Brian. Brian, it's fine. So anyway, he, he was a wealth of stories. And then well, we were in the lift with him and he's, great mate with a mate of ours and i says oh i says you know so and so and he went oh find out how he is oh i'd love to see him again oh he's, he must come out and within two minutes of meeting brian blessed he told us that he sleeps completely naked with a with a Jack Russell. amazing that was within two minutes and hmm. yeah and he he's he's got over three thousand animals of different types and everything like that and he was just such an interesting man a really, really interesting man. <laughs> yeah, and he just passed his cosmonaut and he says, I'm going to go into space. <laughs> and he says, Patrick Stewart keeps ringing me up saying, oh, you know, I, I worry about, I see you climbing mountains, you know, Brian. I says, Patrick, calm <laughs> down. And he, um, he was really interesting. So we sat down and like the <laughs> interviewer, I'm guessing didn't quite know what he was in for. He knew that Brian was very exuberant and everything <laughs> like that. So he says, so let me ask you, how did you get started? And that was it, Nick. That, that was it. The guy never asked what he's got this sheet full of paper. He never asked one more question because Brian was just gone. And the hour it went on for an hour and a half of just Brian Blessed talking. And this bloke going <laughs> yeah, like you're doing now. And, and he says, uh, he went, right, can I? Um, and Brian says, in a minute. And just an hour and a half. And oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I, I have to say, I went to see his one-man show. Well, it would only just be the one man, wouldn't it? Let's face it, there's no, there's no, there's not another Brian Blessed, and uh, that was a couple of years ago. He came to Salisbury, and um, I think the 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 story that really got me chortling was um, when he was in rep, and um, the 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 um, head of the the manager of the the theatre sort of uh, completely unfazed, totally professional. And he said, tomorrow my wife is going to be playing Ophelia. And somebody shouted from the um, the stalls, your wife's a dirty dart. And, <laughs> and he says, nevertheless, tomorrow she will be playing Ophelia. <laughs> oh, it's 
brilliant. He's yeah, he's he's a marvelous person to have at any kind of he event is. because he's, yes, he's he just is. a wealth of stories. Um, he's just, just amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Just top bloke. Oh, the other one. The other one was um, Nicholas Briggs from the New Who. Um, I, I, he was at a like a show in Devon, Devon County show, and I'd gone along, and obviously, I think I don't know if he. Well, I just kind of approached him, and I said, "So I says I'm opening a little shop." I says, "Would you like to come along?" So he came along, and uh, and did this signing. Huge queues of people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people turned up to meet him and get him to talk to them and everything like that because he was a, he was a fan, including Tara was in the queue as well. Either. And uh, what happened was we we met him on a few occasions, and he, he seemed you know really really good, and he he kindly said that. When I die, he'd come along and read my eulogy like a jadoon, which is, <laughs> which is quite something. He, he tweeted one time, he says, oh, he says, my young son uh, has just opened a packet of porridge and found uh, that they do a free gift. And uh, I tweeted back. I says, oh, I says, in the 70s, I says, they used to give away free gift, gifts with packets of porridge. And he sent one back saying, John, you're a really strange man. And I, I kept that as my profile for a long, long time. I photocopied it. And I thought, well, Nicholas Briggs called me a strange man. It's not really a compliment, but it's not really an insult as well. And we were in we were trying to get um, from Derby which is which is up here, obviously, to um, to this eating emporium. And uh, there was a group of group of people. And what had happened is we had one guy who'd been to this eating emporium before. We had Tara who was driving and we had me in the back and Nicholas Briggs, very famous Nicholas Briggs. And then um, this bloke said, uh, I don't know where the place is. So I thought, OK. And we couldn't we couldn't get hold of the people who knew where the place was. And we were driving around Derby, which we'd never been to before in our life, in the pitch black. Uh, if you ever get to go to Derby, a lot of the time I had found it's perhaps not open. And then it's it's it was dark, obviously, because it was nighttime. So we were driving around a city we didn't know to a place where we didn't know where it was with a bloke we'd never met before and Nicholas Briggs. And then Tara said, well, um, in a minute, we're going to be back home. So uh, Nicholas Briggs said, uh, well, that sounds good. And Tara says, well, we can do you some tea and some toast. And he says, that's fine. Let's drive on. And uh, but we, finally, we finally found this eating establishment. And um, he was, again, a wealth of stories that uh, a lot of them I can't perhaps repeat on here. But he um, he was he was a very interesting <laughs> man. I remember a And because uh, he'd met um, all the doctors, I think we'd met a lot of the doctors. And he said that uh, John Pertwee himself um, was in quite a bit of pain, quite had quite a bit of back problems. He says that would sometimes come across as being a bit erratic or a bit. And he says, but he says, if you're in pain, he says, you're not always going to be maybe um, friendly and bright and chipper. And he says, but there was one uh, event. I think it was him that told me about this. There was one event where John Pertwee had gone and he was he was kind of suffering and he didn't want to let the fans down. So he was out the back, you know, and then the second he got announced on stage, the lights came on. Perwick came through the door and he was all, you know, I am the doctor and everything like that. Um, but he was, Nicholas Briggs was uh, an absolute top bloke and and really, really, and he actually invited us for a big finished lunch, uh, which which I'm meaning to take him up on one time. And he, um, he, uh, he doesn't really do tons of conventions, but on the times when I've met him, he's... Um, He's always been very interesting. Mm. Oh, bless him. He's too busy working. <laughs> I yeah, have, um, yeah, he is. Yes, I think he was... 
It was uh, pre-new sh- show, because, I mean, he's been around for years. He was interviewed by my friend Alan yes. Hayes and on Sonic Waves years before, because the, the sort of origins of Big Finish go back to the audio place that they used to do, and Nick Briggs played the Doctor yeah, yeah. In, in the early, in the 80s uh, with these. So, yeah. um, I, yes, I, I'm, I can't, you know, I can't remember the life of me where I met him, but I, I'm not, I didn't really meet him to talk to, but I, he was... I think he was interviewing at an event because he's he himself is a fan, so he was um, it was sort of like a fan who was elevated to uh, to stardom. But um, so yeah, yeah. But no, he I, I, seems a very nice, natural guy. Um, it, there's one thing that always interests me in in, in the sort of um, t- times where we've met famous people, and it's been slightly awkward. Um, I do remember that I used to have a crush on Judy Bowker from the uh, Black Beauty oh, yeah. um, f- series. And she came to um, a fate in 1982 at, at, right. at okay. Salisbury and, and the, yeah. the Cathedral Close. You know, I was going kind of, yes, hell yeah. And, um, and she, uh, she, you know, she, she was walking past with her husband, I hasten to add. And um, just as she was walking up by me, a fly went up my nose. Oh, no. So Judy Backer's one and only impression of me was <laughs> kind of gurning at her. And um, she, she quite rightly looked a little perturbed. <laughs> so um, I failed to make an impression there, I'm afraid. Um, also at the close, um, years and years ago, was uh, Lena Brossiter. Oh, yeah. Lena Brossiter was there. I think it was... He just done, he just finished um, the first series of Reggie, but hadn't gone out. But I, I knew him from Rising Down. This is about nineteen seventy six, and you, you kind of think, oh, is, 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 he, is he off to telly? <laughs> but the first person I met was famous person I met was Don McLean from oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, Yes, he was he. He came along to a toy shop. I, I can't remember. There were two toy shops in the 70s in, in Salisbury. One of them was Playbox 2000. The other was Joyland. And I think it was Playbox 2000. Um, but, yeah, he came along. He was um, with this megaphone I've seen from him. I can't remember why. but um, And he was a lot of fun and very natural bloke. And I just thought, wow, if he decides to stay and work in the shop, that he won't appear in Cracker Jack. You know, I was kind of in my four-year-old mind was kind of thinking, if this happened to them, that happened to him, he he, he wouldn't appear on telly. It would kind of I'd be trying to make the connection. You know, so the, I've never actually met anyone famous like that on before. Woo. <laughs> I've only ever had kind of two really well, not really embarrassing, but only kind of two things where I've been a bit. And one was I went and interviewed Sarah Douglas, who I had a terrible crush on. Um, she was the female villain in Superman 2. She was Ursa. That's, that's right. She's very tall, um, which was not something that I kind of knew. And I'd gone out to interview her and I just didn't know what to say. And I was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And we sat in her in her cottage and her mother was bringing out cups of tea and, and there was, I'd gone with a couple of other people and um, I just didn't know what to say. I was just so shy. And then she started, you know, she started talking to me and just saying, would you like to ask me about? And I said, hmm. Yeah. Which, which made a really bad radio interview because like it was supposed to be me asking her questions. Why did this happen? And she was just going, and then what would you like to ask me about? And I thought, oh, this has gone terribly. And then at the end of it, after we'd drunken tea and eaten her biscuits, we had these terrible pictures 
of this woman that I'd, I'd really had a crush on for years and me just just sweltering uh kind of going huh. <laughs> and then she says oh she says uh, would you like a photograph of me and she says i can sign a photograph for you and i says no no it's fine and then i couldn't get the door open her front door open and then um she she's kind of she sort of reached in and struggled past me and all i could say was oh you're tall aren't you that's all I could say. And that was like the last <laughs> thing I ever said to her. And oh, it's cripplingly embarrassing. But I had to go to a Battlefield convention, which I think was in Exeter. I'm fairly sure it was Battlefield. And he, um, what had happened is I'd gone along to like shift some tables and, and do some stuff. And Michael Craze had gone and Annika Wills had gone. And, and there was, I visit yeah. that. And Sylvester McCoy had gone. And, and they'd asked me, to uh to keep an eye out for sylvester mccoy and i thought oh brilliant that'd be that'd be great yeah yeah so what had happened is it was in the um oh corn exchange or oh it was in exeter anyway can't remember the name of the place and uh he came up the stairs and i kind of bounded towards him and said oh mr mccoy i says it the the convention's upstairs and he went oh yeah here's what i've done and then he i there was this lift and it was like a two-door lift where you have to pull this great epic metal gate back and then the other piece of the the rest of the lift as well the whole thing was just you know like ancient and i had to pull this lift back and uh it, there was it only had to go up kind of two floors and it was like sylvester mccoy was stood there and i said how are you and i says oh good and then he says uh many people and I said, there's a few. Yeah, I says, they've all come here to see you today, Sylvester McCoy. And he says, uh, and I gestured for him to get out of the lift. And he didn't. He just stood there looking at me. So there was me and him stuck in this lift. So I pulled the door back. And as I pulled this great big metal gate back, I bloody well hit him with it. And just <laughs> with quite some force. And I thought, oh, my God, Paul McGann's going to get out of the lift. And they, um, <laughs> it was all right, but it had really, you know, it had really hit him. And I was so, I, t I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't talk to him when before I'd hit him with a lift door. And now I've said to Tara, when we've seen him in things, I've said, do you, do you think, you know, that he remembers me? And she says, I have no doubt. <laughs> and then he was at, he was at something um, before the, uh, the Great Plague. He was at something then. And and I don't think he remembered me. And he, um, I'd asked him questions about the uh, Frank Langella Dracula, which is which is my all-time favourite Dracula film. And he says uh, he said there was some um, disruption between um, Frank Langella and Laurence Olivier. So there was some wordage. And I said, so what? And he he kind of sort of went that was you know probably there was some wordage so i says right okay and i said what was what was donald pleasance like and he says uh, just eating all the time he's a really nice man he says but just eating all the time and i said oh that's that's good then and because uh, because sylvester mccoy in that plays kind of this this sort of butler handyman sort of thing and i wanted to lo learn more about it and um and he uh he just he just said oh it's, it's a marvelous little film but it was just eating the whole time <laughs> so, <laughs> That was it. Really. Yeah. The, um, the 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 final one because I am going to have to go and have my dinner. Okay. Uh, yeah. The final one is um, 
when I went to um, uh, London and I met uh, Tara and me met uh, Stephen Thorne and Stephen Ooh, Thorne yeah. turned up uh, and he was a first rate bloke absolutely top bloke and uh, again we'd, we'd gone to the BBC and uh, and they kind of shoved us into this room this little recording studio and Stephen Thorne turned up and he was immaculate there was not literally not a speck on him and um, he looked stunning he looked you know just amazing and um and i asked him all these questions and he says oh you know and and uh, he was talking about omega and all that sort of thing and i and um again we'd not gone but we'd gone as fans as well as like doing the interview and he's and tara said about how he voiced aslan in the uh the is he voiced aslan in the lion the witch of the wardrobe or something like that yeah he voiced aslan in something like that so he, and he saw he says that, that was marvelous and I says, uh, may I say, I says, thank you so much for coming along. And he says, has the recording, because we were there for about an hour and a half. And he says, um, he says, oh, he says, has the recording come out all right? And I says, I think so, yeah. And he says, if not, he says, just give me a ring. He says, or send someone a message. And he says, and I'll come back into London. I says, and we can get a bit of dinner. And he says, and we could, I'm more than happy to record it and do it all over again. And he says, and if there's anything else you want signing, he says, I'm only too happy to. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I saw, I says, yeah, do you look really smart? I says, I says, I'm sorry to turn up looking so scruffy. And he says, he says, yes, he says, I'm uh, just on my way to a funeral. Oh, so I said, oh, uh, sorry. And he says, oh, no, no, no. He says, it's fine. But he, he was, um, <laughs> that's amazing. Just, just like one of the nicest, yeah, just like one of the nicest blokes. And he was on his way to this funeral or just got back from this funeral. And he was talking to this blooming half wit and his beautiful lady <laughs> about Doctor Who and how he'd, how he'd, um, done all these amazing things yeah just yeah some of them are amazing i have to say i always um like the fact that you know all the other ogrons are kind of like (laughs) and of course stephen thorne comes on and he's he's sort of roy shakespeare coming the leading fools have the ton you know he's the ogron that kind of is kind of all sort of is he the one is he the ogron that says there's been no complications. Uh, no, no. He, he, he's the one that's taller than all the others and comes in to talk to Roger Delgado in the last episode of Frontier in Space. He's like very tall and very articulate for, for an Ogron. Two, just quickly two things that I have to mention. You mentioned um, crushes. Well, my big crush was Lois Baxter, uh, who was in Andro- oh, Ma- right. Madame Lamia in Androids of Tara. I just thought, oh, yeah. I, I was absolutely in love with her when I was 11 years old. Um, I went to see Corridors of Power, which is a Roman thing at Salisbury Playhouse. And I didn't realise she was in it. My friend took me to see it. And I went, like, oh, it's her. <laughs> kind of. And, uh, I, you know, my... Uh, and I wrote her a fan letter, and, and um, of course, I used to work in the, the the general area of the the the, the playhouse because I was in the Mortings, where the infamous Novichok yeah. was. But many many years before that, and um, she came in to the shop, oh. and uh, and of course, oh, there's somebody, and literally, I didn't stop shaking for for an hour or so after I met her because she said, oh, you know, sort of. Now, if you come and see the show again, um, you know we'll, we'll have a drink together. <laughs> and I was, I was, wow, did you go? I, I was like that. And yes, I did. And we, and uh, yeah, we had a white wine spritzer, and and we we chatted for for ages. And I've always wanted to meet. Could we have a long chat? Because I was, you know, I told her about my writing and things like that. Write me a part. No, I'm serious. Write me a part. And, that, and I never did. 
And um, I've no, it, the, the other time she was in Salisbury, I wasn't able to see her because I was on stage myself, and that was twenty years ago. So um, I've and the other time I was going to see her at a Doctor Who convention, and the snow and the Novichok happened, and um, yeah. unfortunately it wasn't to be. And and the other awkward bit was um, you were saying about clamming up and not kind of talking to people um i was at a bar in salisbury um and lo and behold at the bar waiting for me because uh, it was an actor's pub was blake himself um gareth thomas oh, blake. and and he yeah. was in something in salisbury and um i don't know oh, i didn't really kind of want to be uh, too much of an anorak in front of him when he was just there for a drink and I, he was kind of like it was kind of we made his hand gesture. Is it all round? And I was with a non-sci-fi fan. If I'd been with a sci-fi fan, I probably would have actually um, said something. But no, I, I didn't want to spoil his evening, so I, I kind of let it be. But uh, yes, I, I, um, I, I had cross. You know, it was, it was there in the same vicinity as as Blake. <laughs> so was this after? Was this after Series Four had finished? Oh, oh well, yes. Yeah, I was only thirteen when Series Four. I would have no place in a pub. <laughs> but uh, no, this was <laughs> this was about twenty. Only about twenty you years said, ago. You should have said. You should have said. You should have said. Have you betrayed me? You should have said that. Yes. He would have just. He, would have, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he looked like he could take a joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's. I mean, you see, see some of those um, uh, videos on on YouTube. You know, it was kind of. Uh, bantering with Mr Darrow um, so oh yeah yeah he, he can take a joke alright all right, mate well I'm going to disappear it's been very nice many many thanks for your participation I hope we do it again sometime okay. I look forward to Cheers. it many thanks thanks mate take care bye 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 hello again listeners it's me I hope you enjoyed that uh, chat between Nick and John I always find it quite nerve wracking meeting famous people although uh um, at least uh, one of those uh, stars that uh, John and Nick mentioned, Michael Sheard, um, he, he was uh, a, a lovely man. And uh, um, both uh, Nick and I, I think, have bits in the same book as John, as do Lisa and Andrew and uh, many other people. He was a very fun person to have a, a convention. Um, but anyway, um, we are nearly done um, for this episode, but... I well, considering it's sort of related to famous people of the day, um, I'm going to share with you a little chat that I did with Nick um, a month or so ago. But uh, you may remember we did an episode all about the magazine Looking, which ran from the early 70s into the early to mid 90s. Well, we also recorded some mini chats um, about particular issues, and Nick described. Um, sort of what he found in a particular copy that he had to hand and well that's what you're going to hear now Um, so I will hand you over to Nick and I and uh, yeah uh, have a listen Um, hello listeners Um, I've got Nick here and we're, we're, we're back together to do a sort of well, it may be a, an ongoing sort of dip into um, some, well, a dip into our past. Some of you will remember that uh, we did an article 
which we recorded in the summer of 2020, all about the 1970s to 1990s uh, magazine Lookin, which we both grew up with. Uh, and we mainly talked about the 70s and early 80s in that episode. Uh, but, but rather than do a complete um, sort of second episode, which we may do at some point, we, we thought it was time to at least um, dip into the odd issue, which I'll pepper across lots of different um, uh, editions of the show, um, and, that, and that's why we're here. But uh, um, this time, Nick's going to be telling us about an edition that he has access to. What have you got for us, Nick? Yes, uh well, um, I, as I say, I the look in site where you can download the the issues. Um, I've concentrated mainly on, although I think it was a magnificent product. Um, I've concentrated on collecting the lookins, basically, which I owned in the seventies. Um, from uh, summer of seventy five, I started uh, buying them, um, uh, and these and uh, early well, sort of February eighty. My pocket money wouldn't stretch to that, and Doctor Who Weekly, and I'm afraid Doctor Who won the argument. So um, I can do. In, I, I've got pretty well. I would say most issues from that era in some form or another. Some of them aren't complete, uh, but the the guy who runs it is always looking to to get complete issues. Um, do you want to dip into a, a random one and, and see what is in store? Yes. It's very difficult to be random about uh, looking because I've just got so many memories uh, of it. But I'm going to go for this mm-hmm. one uh, from 1975, uh, uh, week ending the 29th of November 1975, mm-hmm. um, because the very last page has a significant memory for yeah. me. Now, on the front is the Osmonds, mm-hmm. um, and it's advertising many a thing. Um, and of course, one thing that would shock the modern audience is that Gary Glitter is mentioned. Now, I think the the guy that runs it has um, a policy, which I believe in wholeheartedly. That you know this was of you know of its time. We we're celebrating it of its time. We were re- revisiting it of its time, and whatever Gary Glitter did in his private life, or whatever he's been accused of, or it's got nothing to do with music. It's got nothing to do with the the culture of the time. Um, so you know, he says, you know, any complaints don't want to hear them. I thought, right on, yeah, that's good. Anyway, um, so we've got the Osmonds on the front. I've I've said it before. I'll share it again. The artwork on these is to die for. I mean, you you, you wouldn't get it as good now. It, they're the gorgeous colours, gorgeous likenesses, and you had to um, kind of, yeah, it, it, we were we were spoiled mm. as kids. Mm. Um, there is a poster. Uh, I'll, I'll just go go through yes, the, yeah. you know each bit. There's a poster of Gary Glitter, mm-hmm. bless him, uh, with a holding an apple. I, I won't ask where that apple came from. <laughs> um, Benny Hill Page. Um, now he survived. Did he? Did he? Was he still there when I, I left? I think he probably was. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had a hugely prolific career, and he's another rather maligned character but he, again i think they're very very misunderstood he came up uh, on an episode of um a, a recent episode of the charlotte podcast uh, a live episode that we did and um we were talking about Anne reed the actress and um, one of her oh, first yeah. appearances was in a 1957 episode of the benny hill show and toppy was particularly shocked because he 
was aware. I mean, there was Benny Hill was quite popular in other countries, and he was well. Yeah. He was well known to a certain extent in America at a certain point. But Toppy was completely shocked to discover that he was his career dated back that far. And we presumed, uh, obviously, his humour was certainly a, a watered down version of what it became, um, or a different type of humour. Even I, I, I don't know what a yeah. Um, but I, I think you know it's no worse than any other um, humor of the time, and he actually did his presence and ability to sort of get into characters. It was amazing. He was a very talented guy, and I'm 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 sorry that the the whole TV industry got a bit prudy about things because you know it was. I, I just I just think we're all a bit hypocritical about that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, um, the Benny Hill page always had um, uh, a, a character from Benny, uh, it, which was ostensibly it looked like but it was basically Benny Hill in disguise. But it was always supposed to be one of Benny's relations. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they made they I mean they basically it was a quite good conceit because they could have said oh Benny's doing this and Benny's doing that and everything but actually that wouldn't be fair to the series where he was always. Uh, playing characters he was you know occasionally he'd come on his himself at the end mm. a bit like Mike Yard but he'd come on his self at the end and say well that's it folks have you enjoyed the show bar de bar de bar but um, so it was a clever little conceit um, next up we've got Stu Pot's desk, news desk which is um, always had you know competitions and things like that lovely Ed Stu Pot who we had the pleasure of meeting 10 years ago and in fact I was at his funeral mm. Ali and I were at his funeral uh but uh, yeah he was a good he was one of those good reliable um people from the you know from the 70s and it's he, advertising a trip to Tuctonia which i i've I remember, actually yeah, I remember have been to is now is Tuctonia in is that buckinghamshire uh, no it's near christchurch she's actually christchurch i always yes. i knew there was i think there were similar places in both areas the previous year, we went. We were had two weeks in Southbourne as a, a holiday on holiday, and we went to Tuctonia um, on that time. So, actually, re- reading this as I would have done in seventy five, I, I would I would have known about Tuctonia. It doesn't. It's got a picture of a man painting uh, one of the figures on Tuctonia, but I, I would have recognised the name at least. It was like um, a miniature village, wasn't it, Tuctonia? Yeah. Yeah, and also to uh, let let uh, overseas um, listeners uh, well, give a bit more information. Uh, Ed 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 Stewart or Ed or Stewpot, he was um, well. He he was a DJ. He was a top of the pops presenter. He was a presenter of Crackerjack uh, and probably many other things over the years, but. Uh, uh, that, uh, that, that, that's right is it not yes oh yes yeah i mean very prolific um mm. and it, it, it this is the point where it shows the uh the next page shows the um book releases uh mm. lots of word searches and things like that but also ghost books as well ghost stories mm. and the latest album releases um yeah. football mm. which uh, like yourself, I've never had any time for. Um, no, it, it's it's confined to a page. It's very neat and well done, and very well presented. But frankly, I've you know I was as disinterested now as I would have been in 1975. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and there was always a poster of a footballer I've never heard of. In this case, Sammy McElroy, whoever he might be, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But then uh, we come to the the colour. This, this is what really got me going with um uh, the, is the picture strips 
the stories were always good and engaging sometimes a little bit uh, uh, broke away from the actual st- uh, series but with this one space 1999 was a anomaly to me then because it was it was made very clear that it was it was on and it was it was hip and it was happening but infuriatingly southern television didn't take it up certainly not in our region and um so for the first year of space 1999's uh, uh, existence i was um this this was space 1999 for me it was the the picture strip and uh, i got mm-hmm. to know the characters through the picture strip and it was very weird mm-hmm. when i um finally watched the show and all these sort of characters i'd seen in cartoon over there came came to life but um mm-hmm. again they were excited that's the end of the current story it's not a story i remember which is odd because I, I i i remember a lot even the, some of these earliest ones i remember at the time um uh, but uh, yes it's yeah it's, helena being kidnapped as she often is in these things um <laughs> and then we got uh Saturday scene annual Saturday scene I presume is one of these Saturday morning programs which predated was sort of contemporary of uh, uh, Tiswas but predated uh, Swap Shop mm. and there's some calculators mm. and tape recorders for sale which uh, actually yeah I would have I, I, I should have kept my eyes peeled for them because I would have loved my own tape recorder at the time Magic um, mm. Music I, for some reason I, I, I think the only time I entered a competition was when it was um uh, cre- if you're creating something you know uh, writing wise um, I didn't actually wasn't even interested in the prizes half the time uh, it was just the, the, the steam of you know sort of having something accepted um, uh, the comedy uh, one of uh, the picture strip is Man About the House again artwork's extremely good um, and uh, yes this was just before George Mildred it has all the George Mildred characters in it plus Richard O'Sullivan and the two girls. Um, so yeah, yeah they, they, that was quite well done. It was quite um, t- uh, faithful to the series. Um, what else? We got the the the. I wasn't. I was never. Although I, I listened to the charts with Jen, I wasn't particularly interested in the people that were bringing me the music. It was. Uh, I was. I was a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, it, the people didn't interest me. It was the music that they made was it, it was it interested me. So yeah, that's picture strip on the osmonds and uh and the tomorrow people now i do i remember the tomorrow people stories they were i guess they, they went a bit far they were further they were quite darker and obviously more expensive looking than the telly series uh but again i was that was the year i got into the tomorrow people so and they've they've got the walking trees now there's a thing about walking trees it, it, it's actually uh, the, uh, you know it, it's in the context of quite a frightening uh alien invasion story so um mm. it's it, 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 don't think it's a trivial thing but uh but um i remember because my, my mum used to read these to me story these stories and i remember i think she used to get this story mixed up with seeds of doom which was a few months later yeah the walking you know the walking trees she, she was i think she got she got confused because she thought that was a doctor who story yeah i think uh it sounds like something that probably worked better um, as a comic strip than, than actually yes. how it would have been realised on, on the screen. I cannot imagine what it would have been like with the, um, 
on the screen, but it, it wouldn't have looked too clever, would it? Not on a Thames budget. It didn't look good ten years later when they did it in Doctor Who. No. With, with, uh, with trees. Oh, and, worry, um, the tree won't help let, you, let, yes. Let, let, alone, let alone ten years earlier. Yeah, I, I, mean, I've, they'd, I think you could probably just about get away with it now. But um, Then came my, one of my favourite strips, The Six Million Dollar Man. I, as I say, I think I've quoted this, been quoted with this before, but I actually remember the picture strip stories of uh, Six Million Dollar Man better than I remember some of the TV stories. Um, they're always very excitingly written, and um, this is the end of a story about a deadly hypnotist. And this is probably the earliest story I remember. Um, but yeah, I d- d- definitely recall uh, this one. And uh, I do like a, I do like a deadly hypnotist. Oh yes, <laughs> got to be done. Whether it be, uh, yeah, there was a very good one on Prisoner Cell Block H that inspired some scenes we did in Sutton Park. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. and it's definitely one of the tropes of my writing is that hypnotism gets involved. I think uh, I think it's even occurred occasionally on this show. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, as I say, um, it, it, it was good. Yeah, I, I I always really enjoyed the Six Million Dollar Man stories. Um, even though I, as, it, as it's been pointed out, some of the dialogue in these uh, kind of is very re- betrays the age of some of the writers. You know, the, by golly, by thunder, you, you know, which, which <laughs> Lee Majors would have sound bloody silly. Thing. <laughs> uh, there's a PG Tips advert with with the dressed up monkeys, which is again now frowned upon. But growing up with it, mm. we we didn't think twice about it. Um, yeah. We've got a pop quiz. Uh, we uh, David Cassidy, looking surprisingly like Mike, Mike, um, not Mike Yarwood, um, <laughs> Mike Holloway, <laughs> um, the uh, bit of the Rolling Stones. Um, then you've got the other comedy uh, thing, Doctor on the Go, which uh, again I think probably they did broader things than what was available on the telly, and they got they got people like you know them. The, uh, the you know they got villains in it as well and and I think um, I suppose you had to do that really to, to to just give it a bit of legs again very well drawn lots of detail in it um, sort of things you you'd only get now in, in the likes of um, funnily enough Viz you know something something with a bit of uh, gumption but um, next up you've got the programming. Uh, they, all the schedule, all the different uh, regions were what they were what they were doing, and I see that on Southern TV, uh, it only gives you up to sort of the the afternoon, which is odd. Um, but you've got Supersonic, which was the radio, uh, the um, music program, The Lone Ranger, bless him, uh, Planet of the Apes, and World of Sport. That was in the morning. So Planet of the Apes basically was. Uh, occupying the same slot that Space 1999 would the following day, uh, the, the following sorry, the following day, the following um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just having a little look and seeing what else is on off offer. Uh, Paper play, which of course I was, I, I followed quite, and we got the books and everything. Um, here comes Mumphy. I didn't even know Mumphy was that old. Uh, Sooty show. Uh, what was here comes m- m- what was Mumphy? Mumphy was an elephant. Uh, it was like an, a puppet, and um, 
it was it was all right, a little bit twee, but um, yeah, it's interesting to see. Let's actually see because um, the, the the other regions seem to be had space nineteen ninety nine. Some of them did, and some of them didn't. Um, I would be very keen to have seen Ulster had it. Um, the Midlands had it. Uh, so that was that was the big th- and Scot- Scotland had it. So I I really don't know quite why. Uh, yeah, those uh, Anglia had it. Um, so I would have been really keen to as I just looking looking through. Had they had they already had Planet of the Apes? Were we late with that as well? Or I um I think Planet of the I think I could be wrong about this, but I think Planet of the Apes is actually still going strong um but personally yeah, every region looking at it virtually every region had um space 1999 but but only us and a couple of others didn't take it up as an option and i was you know i i was dying to see it because i was reading because uh, i was reading the uh thing then you've got the look look in next week because he's because st- he's starting a new adventure um the uh, bionic man's on the front and so is so is Koenig actually, because he's um, he's doing he's on the front cover too. And a bit of Brian Ferry doing Love Is the Drug. Um, now, this is the end page. Now, this is my biggest, biggest, biggest memory of this issue, because it's got Science Fiction Monthly, an advertisement for it. On the front cover is a very skeletal, sort of typical brainy alien on there, um, and it, I think it's advertising. F- Forbidden Planet was, it forbid- was Forbidden Planet surely not no I don't yeah, I think we mentioned though that we'd seen an advert for Forbidden Planet uh, yeah. in looking reform presuming yeah. it was a, an early version of the shop but I don't no, know and maybe I'm wrong science fiction monthly it is but this this chap I, I'm, I'm glad I've got him here because I feel I owe him one because I was, I was very nervous, child. I'd, I'd, I'd shiver, I quivered through Planet of Evil. I was uh, at that point. I'd just finished quivering through Pyramids of Mars, and I quivered even hard. On I was a very, very nervous kid, and this little, this guy with his long fingernails and brainy and, and skeletal body freaked me right out. He's not, he's not exactly Miss World now, um, but uh, it, it, you know, and. Uh, I got my because he freaked me out so much. I got my mum to snip him off the, off the back, and, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, I I got him. I got her to hide him in the kitchen, mm. which is a peculiar thing to do. Um, and mm. uh, you know, I I because I, I didn't want to look at him because he was too scary. Um, and uh, for for ages, I, my copy of this, I actually had this this issue in the in the flesh in the paper, should I say, uh, it, to to this day now, but uh, with with bought again with the with the the little fellow intact but uh, eventually I, I i got my mum to throw him out but you know i was such a bloody i was such a wimp <laughs> unbelievable wimp when i was a kid but uh now i have him on my on my uh, laptop i you know I, but uh yes yeah, so peculiar chap and i i do feel i owe him one um mm. so there, it's ironic really you've got you've got uh the likes of gary glitter uh, in full colour, and and it was it was <laughs> science fiction alien that uh, that I was I was scared of, and these these days it would be Gary Glitter that would be snipped out of it, and the, the alien would be staying put. Not from me particularly, but you know from generally, you know if if somebody was yeah. buying it now and they had 
um, society. 20th society <laughs> for sensibilities. Um, I, I, I think that it would be Gary Glitter that would get the chop rather than the science fiction monthly alien. Whatever happened to science fiction monthly, I don't know. I wasn't into science fiction. In, I, 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 li- I loved Doctor Who by then, even though it was scaring the crap out of me. Um, but, uh, I've, uh, yeah, I've, uh, and I, I was interested in Space 1999, UFO, definitely, I was into by then. Um, so I, I like science fiction, but I, I didn't like intellectual literate science fiction. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was looking from late November 1975, a very memorable issue. I've, I've actually, I've rather let down the side as far as the randoms aspects concerned i'm afraid because uh, i you know i would like to have been a bit more random but i do remember that one so i thought i'd give him coverage cool. <laughs> thank you i do hope you enjoyed dipping into uh, looking once again and uh, yeah there will be more of those um in the future Anyway, that is all we've got time for. There is a little bit more of John to come after the main theme. But I would like to thank Nick for arranging the chat that you heard at the start of the show. And also very much thank you to John for making the time to uh, to speak to Nick. And uh, yeah, and as Nick said, hopefully they'll get to do it again soon. So anyway, well... We've got plenty of episodes in the can, but uh, yeah, for now, that's it. So uh, you take care and join us again soon, and we'll be back again. Uh, well, before you even know it. Okay, all right, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. another John on the show Paul I did yes I know well um, you know I, I really can't help it when uh, um, the guests have the same names as some of the regulars and I'm sorry I just can't well I guess it's not as bad as having Sniffy Martin and you know uh, Martin Holmes you know both main members of the cast while the two Martins very rarely cross and it never really comes up as a big you know problem no, I suppose not, no. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, uh, all that chat about meeting famous people. Yeah, I, I, well, I, 
I worked in a bar in London, I was always meeting famous people. Oh, yes, yes. Well, um, uh, you and Bettina, I mean, Bettina must know a lot of famous people. And Damius, August. Yeah, yeah, well, we're not talking about that, we're talking about me. Um, I, yeah, I used to bump into all sorts, uh, into, uh, when I worked in that bar. It, It was fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure. But when was this? When was this? Uh, late seventies, early eighties, maybe. I forget the exact date. So, uh, you know, who, who did you meet? Yeah, the Uncle John. Uh, all sorts of people. Well, yeah, but which <laughs> which ones? You know, you've you've heard what we did on the show earlier, and Nick and uh, John. They. They talked about the people they had met. So, who did you meet? It's not top secret, surely. Uh, well, no, it's... Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I could tell you, I, I definitely met one of them. Uh, she was on Top of the Pops. Uh, oh, what, uh, a singer? No, 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 one of them dancers. Oh, like from Pan's People? Yes, yes, one of them. Uh, OK, you, can you remember, like, you know... The name? Oh no, I can't. I guess uh, I could. Uh, I guess you could read them off Wikipedia. Maybe it would ring a bell. Uh, maybe I haven't, I haven't got time for that. It's Uncle John. Oh uh, well, you know it's trouble. Just remembering. It's been a long time. But, but you know, I guess I guess working in London, you're bound to come across all sorts of people because the theatres are all across the the, the centre of the town. Yes, yes. And I definitely met uh, Larry, uh, 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 you know, um, oh, uh, Larry, Larry, uh, oh, Lawrence Olivier, Larry, Larry, no, 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 not Lawrence Olivier, no, Larry, oh, Larry, Larry, Larry Grayson, he was on the Generation Game. No, 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 not Larry, no, not Larry Grayson. But, uh, oh, I see, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of any other Larrys. There must be, uh, um, uh, there must be, there must be somebody else. Larry the Lamb. Larry Lamb, the actor? No, Larry the Lamb. That puppet. Oh. Really? Yes, yes. He came out, uh, turned up in the pub with Basil Brush and Sooty. Uh, they got totally bladdered. It was quite a thing to, to uh, quite a thing to see. Uh, I imagine it was. But then Emu turns up right at the end. Oh dear, he just started packing people. Dreadful, dreadful. And uh, uh, and uh, then who else showed up? Oh, Bungle and Zippy from Rainbow. Um, it's Uncle John. Are you just making this up now? Uh, I can't possibly say. I've really. Oh, I can hear the theme music playing. Oh, I'd better go. Uh, it's Uncle John. Uh, oh dear, oh dear. Now it's Uncle John's making up celebrity stories. Uh, just when I think he can't drop any lower. Well, unless, unless it was true. No, I can't imagine Sooty getting drunk. <laughs> By listeners. Strange. I gotta go now. Bye. Gotta go. Bye.
This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com. I'm flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net. Him and Pamela Salem uh, to play in in Torquay. And, uh, this was this was a couple of years after. I'm fairly sure it's a few years after the uh, the series had ended, like ended ended. And and it was it was the Scottish play. When the play opened, when the like the curtains drew back, there was a battlefield, like a great big battlefield, and all this loads and loads of smoke and stuff, and you could hear death and gunfire and stuff like that. And and he was just stood like in the middle of all this carnage, and he just looked up at the audience and I thought oh that's just so cool because it was clearly a reference to the show and we were lucky enough to get to get to go to the pub with him across across the road and we spent with him about a jolly half an hour and with Pamela Salem about 14 days I said to him oh I says because we were all very very I I was very very fannish because I thought he was great I said oh I says all that in that season four I says all that um all that like that black leather and studs and things like that I said was a costume designer and he says Oh no, that was not my idea. And you just, you just, I, he just, he just stole it because he was just so cool. I like uh, Croucher. Many, many decades ago, Croucher was doing a play or he was doing something in Exeter. We were all, you know, tremendously hooked on the the series because, uh, you know, I just thought it was great because it was a different thing, wasn't it? It was a different BBC type thing. Someone had gone to the local theatre and put a note through the door and said, "Is there any chance, you know, please, Mister Croucher, is there, is there any chance we can?" Um, we can possibly meet you and, you know, get some autographs and, and you know, whatever. Anyway, he'd said yes. So like the local drinking establishment, like on a 12.30 lunchtime on a Saturday, we were like a giant anorak. All five of us had kind of gone in absolutely terrified of everything in the world. And uh, we kind of stood in this pub and there was all these kind of hip and trendy people. And I was thinking, oh, my dear, we're just going to get eaten or die or something. And then right at the end of the bar was Brian Croucher. He kind of stood up and, you know, his eye and his arm had got. And he went, oi, over here. And and we kind of, oh, my God, it's Travis. Travis. And we went and sat down next to him. And we talked to him for about two hours. It wasn't the, he wasn't doing the cheerful cockney. He was just talking to us. And he said, you know, you've got to do this or you've got to do this in life and you've got to go here and you've got to see this. And, you know, and he was asking us questions and we were we were talking to him for about two hours. Anyway, skip forward to about six years ago and he was at an event in Sheffield and I'd never seen him at an event. So I went along and I'd got a stall selling stuff. And like by this time, I was kind of like this now. So uh, many GNTs later, he was he was just sat in the corner with his with, you know, with his phone on and everything like that. And he and was passing through, just passing by the table. And I was, oh, I says, Mr. Croucher, I says, can I have a word? And he comes up and he, and I told him and I said, I'd had very difficult childhood. 
And he went, right. And I says, and it was talking to you. I said, you were kind of one of the most influential people that I'd ever met. And I was talking to him for about, I don't know, at the table, at the store for about 10 minutes, something like that. And as I talked to him and I said, all the personality that you talked to us in that pub on that Saturday and then seeing you as the character, I remembered how you talked to us and what you'd said. And it pushed me forward in life. And it showed me different things in life just through talking to you. And he went, yeah. And I went, yeah. And he went, bloody hell. And then he says, right. So he, he kind of disappeared. And then at the end, when we've all packed up and everything like that, and, and I was going and everything, and I went across and I said, I, says, I just wanted to, to thank you very much, Brian. And I held my hand out and he says, John, he says, just have an autograph, just whatever picture you want, just take it, whatever, just honestly. So I was just gobsmacked. And I think usually, you know, it'd be the fan that had just turned up and everything like that. I told him that, his persona and how he talked to us rather than just kind of the famous person sort of dismissive kind of thing do you know what i mean i'm famous and you're not famous he'd actually talk to us like people which at that time was was kind of you know good really but he seemed a nice bloke really nice bloke really interesting Editing. Right. Ah, yes. I can leave all the editing to Paul. <laughs>